0: an artificial god, government control through indoctrination, an unjust war, and a belief in an afterlife. All this and more in our discussion on Captain Marvel. Are you just watching? Episode 90, Captain Marvel. Welcome to the podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian. I'm E. Franklin. I'm Tim Martin. And we are doing what was going to become somewhat natural for this time of year.
1: Uh, uh, (laughs) Next couple months, I guess.
0: Yeah. I don't know. We may have to wait until May to do Endgame.
1: Oh, yeah. I guess it comes comes out
0: the end of April, so we wouldn't have time. Is it the 23rd or something? 26th, I think. 26th? 24th or 26th. Somewhere. It's near the end. We wouldn't have time to get a get anything out so Ugh. we may have to do may yeah so we both went to see captain marvel i've seen it twice you've seen it twice
1: i have it's uh pretty rare i get a chance to actually see a movie twice
0: this movie is got a somewhat unknown cast of composers and directors and writers mm-hmm. the uh the score is composed by Pinar Topric. i don't know whether that's correct or not for her name I've never heard of her before, and I've never heard of anything on her filmography. So she is definitely an unknown for a movie this size. The soundtrack was okay. Uh, There were parts of it that I really liked, uh, mostly the orchestral parts, and there were parts of it I didn't like. She used a synthesizer a lot in her composition, and I didn't care for those parts. And then they added in the movie, they added a bunch of rock songs, which I definitely didn't like.
1: They seem to really enjoy doing that, particularly in the Marvel movies Mm -hmm. where, you know, they draw songs from uh, pop culture for the time in which the movie is taking place. Yeah. And honestly, in both times I watched the movie and the second time I was actually listening for the the composition music. Both times I noticed the pop music much more than the music specifically composed for the movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, they were they were trying to i think present messages at certain parts of the movie using the songs and because i can very rarely understand lyrics in that kind of rock music the messages were lost on me because i wasn't even hearing the words but you know that that's part of what we're going to discuss about the movie later i think some of it had to do with some of the the social justice aspect of this movie yeah Other than that, let's play a little bit of the score, the part, the pretty part. Okay, so that's a kind of a piece of what I really liked of the music, and the most of the soundtrack kind of fits the general mood of lots of action, which is in this mm-hmm. movie. This movie is almost all action, and the slow bits are not done as well as the action bits. That was my initial impression of this movie, is that it, it's not the best of the Marvel movies, but it's entertaining. Yeah. It was good, yeah, to, I- good to see it on the big screen, because you got to you know, see all of the wonderful action.
1: This one was sort of formulaic as far as Marvel movies go. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was, like you said, it was almost all action. Yeah. Uh, Very few, very little downtime. And the downtimes that happened, I, I don't feel like they really did that much for the story.
0: I've heard a lot of the critiques of this was that Brie Larson was not playing the movie well. I've heard people say she looked bored. Some people who said that she was unemotional, You know, things like that. But I'm not entirely sure. Not that I've actually seen or remember seeing Brie Larson and anything else. I'm not entirely sure it's her fault. I think it may Hmm. very well be the fault of the script and the fault of the director. Because a lot of times when actors are not doing their best, a lot of times it's the fault. They're either given really shoddy lines or the director is not pushing them. They're not directing. Let's put it that way.
1: Uh I guess uh, I sort of fall into the camp where I think Brie Larson could have done a better job. Yeah. And like you, I I can't recall a single thing that I have seen her in before aside from Scott Pilgrim. And even there, her, I think she had like five minutes of screen time. Hmm.
0: I don't know. I I think that I can justify some of her unemotional performance based on her character that she's playing because Mm -hmm. I think that as we'll discuss later I think that Carol Danvers was in a position where she was being forced over and over again it was like a mantra mantra in her head to not be emotional so if she's trying to present a character who is being forced to remove emotion from her actions and her thinking then her performance might be a little unemotional
1: (laughs) It's she had the snark down though. I mean, yeah. uh, the character the sarcasm had sarcasm down yeah. to a, a science. <laughs> yeah, but for me, it was Marvel movies have a different scale for me mm-hmm. when it comes to what I expect out of enjoyability. It's I don't think that they will ever make a Marvel movie that I don't enjoy because you know I I grew up reading the comic books and seeing this stuff come to the big screen is really still. A bit of a joy for me uh so even the worst of the marvel movies is still better than most dwayne johnson movies for that matter yeah <laughs> i'm looking at you rampage um, <laughs> but uh it, you know it had a, a great wild ride and and it had a good overall mystery writing but i think it fell short in some of the deeper mysteries of like the character motivation and a lot of the things, and i I can't really come up with any specific examples, but a lot of the things that happened in there felt like they were leaps of logic that could have been explained with scenes that were probably deleted hmm.
0: and we won't know that till we get the blu ray d v d with the deleted scenes on it,
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know what it may even be a calculated move <laughs> to get people to buy the d v. d the blu ray yeah uh with the deleted scenes. For me, when it comes to doing the Marvel movies, it really, when it comes to uh, doing any movie on Are You Just Watching that comes from other source material, when it comes to the critical thinking, we have to consider what the original author was intending, what message the original author was intending to purvey, Mm -hmm. and what message the new creative team is intending to serve up. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's uh, made a little bit more complicated with films like Black Panther and Captain Marvel, where we're starting to deal with actual social justice messages. Mm -hmm. Uh, And right or wrong, good or bad messages, uh, when you get that extra layer of social information in there, it complicates things. And I was thinking about it earlier today. I was thinking about it like when I watched star trek the original series Mm -hmm. i know that star trek the original series had a bunch of social commentary and i can see it Mm -hmm. when i watch the episodes but when those episodes were originally on the air uh, i wasn't even alive so uh, i was not experiencing the social commentary that was happening
0: at the time
1: at the time, yeah, right. in the news, in the newspaper, at the water cooler, you name it. So it, now when I watch it, it's an interesting thing to note, the social commentary, like uh, the, the episode with the guy that had half his face painted black and half his face painted white. Mm-hmm. and uh, And he was completely biased against the other guy who had the other halves uh, the same paint job but reversed
0: yeah i mean and even just the compliment of the cast i mean having a yeah. a woman officer on the bridge you know and and they had multiple nationalities serving on the bridge and mm-hmm. there was there was a lot of commentary in star trek and you and you have to remember there were only three seasons of the original star trek i mean exactly it it did not last long and the interesting thing about it, and this is one of the reasons I've always loved science fiction, is that science fiction can make social commentary by blowing things out of proportion without speaking to a specific to- topic on script, I guess is what yeah. I'm trying to say yeah they, they take it out of its current out of its current context and they deal with it in a different context so it makes it easier to see the points and the details you're trying to make without. Putting people's back up over what's the current context of the debate, and and I've always appreciated that about science fiction. I've been a massive science fiction fan since you know high school, so it's it's not a not a new thing for me to appreciate the social commentary in science fiction. And I think there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. And I think that a lot of times when when we like this SJW contamination that we have today is is that they're twisting that easy, easiness of science fiction in a context of social commentary, and they're making it more in-your-face and more blatant. Not that it wasn't in-your-face and blatant before, but that it more on-script instead of off-script. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure whether I'm even communicating that correctly, but there, it's more in-your-face. Like uh, some of the media that, that presided uh, Captain Marvel, as it was not even released to the public yet, you know, people uh, attached to the film were coming forward and and defending it from a feminism standpoint.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, I think I think there was some of that was justified though, because uh, like Black Panther, uh, Captain Marvel had a negative Rotten Tomatoes rating, something like uh, two months before it actually was released, mm-hmm. because people were going in bashing it because it had a female hero. Mm -hmm. And it's no matter where you go, you're still going to get, you're always going to get idiots.
0: Did DC's Wonder Woman get that kind of...
1: You know, that's a good question. I don't know.
0: Because DC, you know, Wonder Woman did fabulously in the theaters. And and, uh, in my opinion, it's about, about the only DC movie that's worth anything. I haven't liked any of the others. I'm wondering whether Wonder Woman got the same kind of treatment because... In a way, it's a very similar concept, you know, a very powerful woman hero who, you know, shows it up to all the men. I i don't know. Maybe it did. And I wasn't paying attention.
1: I think this one would have been much better served if we had not had the stars or the star in particular. Yeah. Out there waving the feminist banner. Right the commentary in the movie about uh as a matter of fact it was even uh, they even had a special trailer the stand-up trailer Mm. yeah which included much of the section from the movie where um carol danvers is continually falling down and being put down
0: and then getting by those around
1: her her brother her father her classmates at the academy and then getting back up right and i think that scene in the movie would have been doubly effective if not more so if it had not been spoiled by the trailer but not spoiled by the trailer but if it had not been pointed to by the publicity train and saying look this is feminism yeah this isn't feminism this is empowerment
0: yeah i I think it's human empowerment because yeah I think we what we lose in the intersectionality debate going on currently is that we dwell so much on, and maybe this is me speaking out of my white privilege, I don't know.
1: We have nowhere else to speak from, yes. so go for it.
0: <laughs> that in looking at people who are tagged as being specifically oppressed in our current society, regardless of the reason for that oppression we overlook the challenges to every individual because we start this tribal groupthink in which we make assumptions of on of people based on their gender or their nationality or you know their past or whatever and and we start looking at people as a member of a group instead of people as a member of the human race and when you do that you lose your connection to the individual and it almost becomes where we're treating people as a member of a group instead of as an individual who faces individual challenges and right. who have in, are empowered by different things in their background or in their current lives. I don't know. I guess I get so upset about the intersectionality debate because I'm being told on one side that I should not racially profile and then at the other side, I'm being told I have to racially profile because if I ignore somebody's you know, member, membership in a group that I am yeah. somehow overlooking the trials and the tribulations in their lives, it's like you can't have it both ways. Either you're racially profiling or you're not racially profiling. And I want to look at people as individuals and not make assumptions about them based on any membership in a group.
1: Right. You don't want to assume that they're disadvantaged because they're in a group that is stereotypically disadvantaged, right? but at the same time, you want to be sensitive to the, the idea that they may have been because it, you know, like all those memes on, on social media, it, you don't know what battles people are fighting right. when you interact with them.
0: Right. And you shouldn't make assumptions about anybody, you should deal with each individual as they as you approach them with the correct empathy necessary for that individual, not based on their membership uh, in a particular group, but because they are human, and they matter, and they're made in the image of God, and they matter to God and to humanity. And that even I mean, somebody with a disability, it doesn't matter what color their skin is. And I put color in quotation marks, because I don't believe in color believe in shade <laughs> skin tone but there are other ways to address people other than you know shade of skin gender just to, what they look like in god's eyes and yeah and scripturally we know that god sees humanity as being all of one race
2: mm-hmm.
0: that they are they are all of one family and he created all of us and he died on the cross for all of us. And so we are all equal in the eyes of God. And I think as Christians, we should work harder at equalizing the praying field, not through stereotyping people based on their membership in a group, but looking at them in the way that God looks at them as special to him and needing salvation and also needing a purpose in life, which is serving God.
1: It almost feels like we are doing a disservice to ourselves by pulling away from community Mm -hmm. and uh, embracing as a civilization, we're embracing society as a whole, but shunting community to the side. Yeah. And uh, by doing that, we're getting rid of the face-to-face aspects. Right. And we're getting embroiled in this, not class conflict, but... Tribalism. Yeah, this, exactly. Yeah, it's it, tribalism.
0: It's, it's like it, you you're know, a me- it's, you're a member of the white tribe and someone else is the member of the black tribe and someone else is the member of the woman tribe and someone else is mm-hmm. a member of the male tribe and we all can't talk to each other because we everybody has to have a, a equal voice and it gets to the point where we're not communicating we're just shouting at each other from our own closed rooms and yeah I I don't know. And I think that this movie suffers from that to some extent. My first viewing, I didn't really feel like it was a feminist movie. And Mm -hmm. when I went back through and watched it the second time, I think somehow or another, I was more sensitive to it the second time. So I caught a lot more of it. And I went both times with male friends, both who had significant reservations about seeing the movie, even though they were massive Marvel fans. Hmm because of the press it was getting as being a feminist movie, they didn't want to go to a movie where men were bashed. And I don't blame them. And I don't feel like this movie went out of its way to bash men. No. There was...
1: The only men that it even suggested were bad were the ones in the flashback.
0: Right. That, and I thought, and one was more humorous is when the Cree were... Scanning the the Furkin and Fury, oh. <laughs> and uh, the the Furkin uh, scanned as being a very high threat, and Fury uh, scanned as a human male, low to no threat. So, I thought that was kind of funny, but that was more of a it, humor thing than
1: Maybe if they had also scanned a female and it just said low threat instead of low to none. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't really sense that from the movie, and the feminism in it was more period because it was it was dealing more with the n- early nineties late eighties
1: yeah i I actually looked it up before uh, before we started our recording. This was right after tailhook, and uh, for those of you who don 't know about or don 't remember the tailhook scandal, it was huge in the military. It was a literal game changer for women in the military. To this day, we still have people looking back at Tailhook and taking one side or the other. Uh, Tailhook was a scandal that came out of a convention that happened in Vegas among naval and marine aviators. And what happened was the Navy and the Marines both had female aviators at that point, but this was in 1991. They still weren't allowed to do combat missions. And there were multiple, and we're talking dozens of sexual assaults at the Tailhook Convention. Mm. And there was an investigation done in it. The investigation came up saying the people at fault for the Tailhook scandal were all lower-level naval personnel, and they have all been disciplined, and it's all over. And there was a high-ranking woman in the Navy. I can't remember her name offhand, but a rear admiral. And she said, no, that is not correct. And I will resign unless you reexamine this with somebody who is impartial. Mm-hmm. And uh, they did reexamine it. And the four top people in the Navy ended up having to resign over it. Hmm. Because they had all served to cover it up, so the military went through a tremendous change right before Captain Marvel takes place in the, in the timeline regarding how women in the military were were treated and the particularly the u s Air Force Academy and the flight school ones where uh Carol Danvers is on the ropes uh <laughs> That sounds like a boxing metaphor, but it's not. She's climbing the ropes and they yell at her saying, they'll never never let you fly. And there's another one where she's uh, being accosted in a bar by a, a Navy fighter jock who makes a comment about why they call it, why they call the aircraft what they do, the, the cockpit what they do. It's is consistent with how bad it was for women in the military at that time.
0: It's interesting. um, I'm not sure whether you followed this in the news that Senator McSally, the first female fighter pilot to fly in combat, has recently stated in a Senate, they were having a Senate meeting on, I can't remember now where it was.
1: On Captain Marvel?
0: No, no, it was this, they were having, (laughs) no, they were having a Senate meeting and uh, on trying, I'm looking in the news to try and figure out what it was. But she admitted while in the questioning at the the Senate hearing that they were doing that she had been raped by a superior officer while in the military, while in the Air Force. Was she
1: uh, Navy?
0: Uh, it looks like Air Force. Okay. So.
1: But it was not all that uncommon.
0: Yeah. She said, Arizona Republican 26-year military veteran made a disclosure at a Senate hearing on the armed services efforts to prevent sexual assaults. And improve the response when they occur. And this was like six days ago. So it's current in the news.
1: In the early 90s, we heard horror stories about women going through uh, West Point.
0: Yeah. She says, I stayed silent for many years. But later in my career, the military grappled with the scandals and their wholly inadequate responses. I felt the need to let some people know I, too, was a survivor. She choked up while saying this. I was horrified at how my attempt to share generally my experiences was handled. I almost separated from the Air Force at 18 years of service over my despair. Like many victims, I felt like the system was raping me all over again. So mm. I don't think it's something that has ne- necessarily been completely dealt with. Obviously, it's still in the news. The senator is still dealing with it. I mean, it's interesting that this that this comes out in the movie, not necessarily the rape, but some of the right. attitude of the males in, in the Navy towards uh, female pilots. Yeah. Or or female soldiers, period. But...
1: It is still a problem. Yeah. And it it probably always will be until the second coming. Yeah. Because mankind has fallen. Yeah. And this is what we're dealing with.
0: Yeah. And I don't know. I guess I... Some of that may be because men are raised to think that war is the domain of man somehow. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And to some degree... I would actually agree with that because men, women typically are not warriors from the aspect of, I mean, they'll defend their family kind of warriors, but, right. But make a uh, career, female,
1: female warriors are the exception. Yeah, rather than the Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: not, it's not part of our makeup to want to in general. And once again, I'm right. speaking from a membership of a group and that may not necessarily be the, the right position to take on this, but I don't think that's the way God intended women to be. And you don't see him necessarily building up women as warriors in the scripture, so I don't think that that necessarily fills the intended gender role for the way God created women that does not to say that women cannot be very good fighters, especially when they are defending their family and their children. but I think that that might come that and not and I agree with your statement that it's because we live in a fallen world women should not be abused because they take a step towards uh, a career choice that men necessarily don't want to share. But at the same time I can sort of see that men are territorial. Period. I mean that's just part of the species. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, war seems to be one of their territories. <laughs>
1: so. Yeah. It 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 is uh, the domain of men. Yeah. You know, we've, we've beaten feminism like a dead horse <laughs> um, on uh, Red Pill in particular. Yeah. Uh, I know we've brought up Galatians 3.28 a number of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. Right, um, And that applies to those who are not in Christ Jesus, too, because everybody is supposed to be, we are to treat everybody with love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, in James
0: 2.1, it says that we're not to show partiality. It says, my brother, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And in the context of that verse, he's talking about uh, like the rich versus the poor. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to give special treatment to the rich. But I think that that comment about partiality goes across all of the supposed um, groups in which you discern one as better than the other. Yeah, And so I think that fits as well.
1: In preparation for this recording, I came across a verse that I hadn't caught before in relation to
0: discrimination you know,
1: discrimination mm-hmm. and whatnot that I thought was particularly applicable. And that's Proverbs twenty ten. 10. Differing weights and varying measures both are detestable to the Lord. Mm. And uh, I think that really highlights to me that equality really is rooted in uh God's justice. Right. Uh unfortunately, that means that everybody is equally sinful. Yeah. Unless that sin is propitiated by the sacrifice of Christ.
0: And you know there's a kind of a different way of looking at as as well, you know, differing weights and varying measures. That's when you think about that it's like changing the standards in order to to achieve something that they couldn't achieve otherwise. And I think that that can be a commentary against pro-discrimination, I guess.
1: Yeah.
0: There are differences. And when discrimination is based on actual physiological differences, I don't have a problem with it. Mm -hmm. I think that God gave each gender a strength. And women have different strengths than men have. And there may be places for those strengths in the military. I'm not saying they shouldn't be soldiers. I'm just saying they are different. And i Yeah.
1: To be clear, though. Yeah. The discouragement that Carol Danvers faces in Captain Marvel, there is no excuse. No,
0: for. It, it goes above and beyond. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's not just, hey, dear, maybe you should go about this another way. It is. Don't even bother trying. and uh that even thinking about the things that were said in the background during that flashback Mm -hmm. just still makes me cringe yeah but when the stars come out and wave the flag of feminism and point to the movie it like we said at the very beginning it takes it away from the story of perseverance by one woman against uh difficult odds mm-hmm. and it contaminates it with the social justice ugliness i like
0: the way it was put in the movie and this is part of the brainwashing that's against her being among the cree but there was near the end when she's fighting the cree on marvel's lab on her lab yes, her, ship, her ship yeah so Yon Rog says, "Without us, you're only human." And I like the fact that he's—he didn't say, "Without us, you're only a human woman." He said, "You're only a human." And I think
1: the Supreme Intelligence says that too. Yeah,
0: I—I I really feel like, or no, maybe you're—maybe you're right. That was the Supreme Intelligence that said that.
1: I think they both said it. I—I I think he says it at the very beginning, mm. and she says it at the very end.
0: Well, she doesn't know she's human at the beginning, does she?
1: Uh, she being the supreme intelligence
0: no i mean i don't think he would have said it in the beginning because she does because she doesn't know she's human
1: i don't uh, you know that's a good question because in the context of the movie
0: i don't think she knows she's human until she returns to earth that's when she those memories start oh
1: yeah because she doesn't you're right she doesn't know she's from c53
0: so i think that her his identification or the supreme intelligence identification of her as being only human at the end of the movie. I think that that's kind of a unifying message in the fact that she, her reply is I am only human. And that is what we all have in common is we were all human. And that should be the rallying cry. Not that she's woman here or roar is that she's human and we're all human and we're all equal. Mm -hmm. And I think that, You know, that whole message of getting back up even under the worst circumstances can apply to all of us. It doesn't, it's not, it's not an application to just females in the military. I think that there is, we all in some way, shape or form, maybe some more than others, face some kind of negativity or trials in our lives. And the ability to put that behind us and get back up on our own feet and continue to persevere is part of being human. And, yeah. and I appreciate that. Now, from a Christian worldview, we can't ever persevere without God's help. And so we have to kind of twist that a little bit in that we do need God. We can, it, if we're always trying to do it by ourselves, you know, prove that we are the best and we can do this. And that mm-hmm. whole message that we get from secular entertainment about, you know, follow your own heart, be your own man, be, you know, overcome all odds. That's not who we are as Christians. And right. we are, we overcome odds through Christ because in in Christ, nothing is impossible. But in Christ, nothing is impossible. There's lots of things that are impossible without Christ, you know, just to kind of...
1: Including salvation. Including
0: salvation, right? So we put that little twist back on there. Now, we haven't really given away much spoilers at this point. We didn't warn anybody that we would. I'm assuming most people who will listen to this have seen the movie. But if we continue further, we are most likely going to spoil the movie. So... Yeah. If you haven't seen the movie yet and you don't want it spoiled, I strongly suggest that you quit listening now and come back. <laughs> All right. I think we're going to leave that massively diver- divisive argument up behind us and move on to some of the other uh, Christian critical thinking things that happened in this movie. One of the first things that slapped me in the face in this movie was the supreme intelligence. And it came up. Almost in the first scene, she wakes up and goes and fights. Yeah, and has has this little joust with um, with her commander and leader, and mm-hmm. he tells her at some point that if she doesn't control her emotions, he's going to make her stand before the supreme intelligence and answer for it.
1: It, it was almost like I'm going to tell Dad. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, she does lose control, and so he takes her. And I, you know, part of this, and we can deal with this in a, at a later topic. Part of this is their attempt to control her because uh, they are trying to uh, brainwash her into being a good little Cree. And so we can deal with that topic when we get to it. But when they bring her to the Supreme Intelligence, they actually have the little subtitle that comes up on the screen that says, "The Supreme Intelligence I- AI leader of the Cree." And so I was thinking is like, okay, these people literally built their own God. Because an AI is an artificial intelligence. You have to create it. It's artificial. That's what artificial means. You create it. So they created their own God. And that's what you see happen throughout the Old Testament and still happens today. We create God in our God's God's little G with an S attached in our own image. And then we worship them, which makes absolutely no sense. Well, because why would you worship something that you created?
1: You know, it it goes even deeper than that when you take it, the comic book into the comic source into consideration, Mm -hmm. because the supreme intelligence in the original comic series was originally designed by taking the minds of the greatest Kree who... Uh, the most intelligent and wisest Kree who ever lived and uploading them to a, a mainframe. Mm. And that t- upload eventually coalesced into its own intelligence. <laughs> so, it, and throughout the history of the Cree in in the comic books, it started out as just an advisor. Uh-huh. Uh, so it was like um, a committee. <laughs> <laughs> and it uh, was only you know advising yeah until until people started deciding that its word was law mm-hmm. and it moved from advisory capacity to ruling capacity to this deity like status that we encounter in captain marvel yeah
0: And I thought it was also interesting that one of the other comments was the Supreme Intelligence appears in the form our subconscious chooses that no one can look on the Supreme Intelligence in its true form. I'm like, well, it's it's an artificial intelligence. It's probably just, you know, a computer bank or something.
1: (laughs) Yeah. What is the true (laughs) form of an artificial intelligence? (laughs) Oh, that's what they did in Matrix when they were sitting, you know, looking at all those green numbers and letters. Uh That That was the true form of the Supreme Intelligence. Yeah.
0: It was very interesting that this is a movie from a science fiction standpoint, which I'm assuming, though this may be a poor assumption, that it's more of an atheistic, humanistic point of view that guides, you know, this kind of science fiction. And yet they show them building their own god and and following mm-hmm. it, and uh, and then, interestingly enough, both the Cree and the scroll have references to an afterlife in the movie. Uh, because w- before they start their mission, in the one in which Veer is, I have to go by her Cree name, uh, Veer is abducted by the scroll. Uh Before they go down mm-hmm. on that mission, they kind of finish their briefing with, we must all be ready to join the Collective if that is our fate. Yep. Yep. And this is a type of reference to a type of afterlife and some kind of belief that there is something af- something after you die.
1: Actually it, in this case I think the collective is the supreme intelligence.
0: Mm. Yeah, but um
1: uh, because I think what they're referencing is is being uploaded to the system that become that is the supreme intelligence. You would intelligence. have to capture
0: their intellect when they die in order to do that if that's an yes, a, a physical. You would. <laughs> the other the other one that was made uh was when it was revealed to us that Fury's boss was actually a scroll in disguise. Uh, because he speaks to the the dead scroll that they are doing an alien autopsy on <laughs> um, safe journey to the beyond, my friend, I will finish what we started, so that was that was kind of a giveaway part of the mystery mm-hmm. uh that oops we 've got a scroll here. I just you know they both present beliefs in the afterlife, which is another atheist, no, no I mean if you you speak to an atheist, they believe that when you die you 're dead. That's gone. Yeah. That's that's all there is. There's no afterlife. We know as Christians that this existence that we are in now is the temporary temporal existence and that we will forever be with God in eternity. And I know how that sounds to somebody who doesn't believe in God, who has not the experiential knowledge of Christ and the Holy Spirit, but it's the truth and it's mm-hmm. the hope upon which we live. And... I just thought it was very interesting that both of those things were presented quite strongly in this movie, even if they were an yeah. alien intelligence that was doing it.
1: It's it's like the heavier the science fiction elements, mm-hmm. the more likely it is to be uh, an atheist bent. Mm-hmm. Like the like like belief in the divine is fantasy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the further you get from fantasy, the less likely you are to have a divine faith
0: yeah now like you said the crees is a little bit kind of wonky in the fact that their god is a are a created intelligence and yeah like and their collective may even be that they believe that they somehow join that intelligence upon death that may be kind of a a commentary about how we create our our religions and it is mm-hmm. true that man does create religion i mean that's what religion is. It is man's attempt to reach God. And that is why Christianity is different. It's a faith, not a religion. Uh, I, we have to correct people quite a bit because religion is man trying to reach God. Christianity is God trying to reach man or making the attempt to reach man. It's not that he doesn't try. Mm-hmm. He, if, if he really wanted it to do it, he could force it. But he's approaching us and allowing us to accept his free gift of salvation. And so we can't do it on our own. We are incapable of reaching God. And so religion is works without faith. It is just attempting to, you know, tow a, a man drawn line. And if I could just reach that man drawn line, then I've reached God and God is not in that. And there's probably tons of scripture I could use to support that, but (laughs) it's all through the old Testament. I mean, God says, do not make do not turn to idols or make for yourselves any god of cast metal. I am the Lord your God. That's Leviticus 19, 4. In 1 Corinthians 12, this is 1 through 3. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Um, this is a reference to the fact that God is a living, breathing Spirit within us, and uh, there he's not mute he actually speaks into our lives which i think is an important difference colossians 1 yeah for all for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things were created through him
1: so even when we create our own gods uh we're still serving his plan as as we know from romans eight twenty eight anyway mm-hmm. but people it's it, it falls back to the old cliche. People worship the created instead of the creator. Yeah.
0: You just end up back in Romans every time. <laughs> the next thing that is really a heavy theme that comes forward quite a bit in this movie is the concept of an unjust war. And I think that we may have dealt with this at some point in another episode, but for the life of me I can't think of which episode it was. <laughs> <laughs> But there were several. There were actually two main quotes in the movie. Uh, one was spoken by Marvel in one of uh, Carol's memories of her. Um, the wars. The wars are bigger than you know. And this was before you know. Obviously, she knew that that Marvel was an alien. Um, the wars are bigger than you know. I have spent half my life fighting a shameful war, and so she was working on something to end wars because she was tired of fighting a shameful war. And then yeah. the other the other quote that you uh heard was when the scroll leader um was trying to get through to Carol that she was being used by the Cree. And he says, I just want you to know that you're on the wrong side of an unjust war. So the concept of an unjust war and like I said, I think we've dealt with this before but for the life of me I can't think what it is. There were two other quotes in here. Uh, This is war. My hands are filthy with it, too. This was spoken also by Talos, Talos, the scroll. And then war is a universal language. And that was a quote that was spoken by Fury to Carol when they when she is first telling him that there were aliens invading Earth and they were part of a bigger war. Uh, Which I also thought was interesting because I don't consider war to be a universal language. You usually hear of love or music or something like, you know, emotional being referred to as a universal language, not war. I just thought that was kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, it's sort of a, I think the line is sort of a stretch. Mm -hmm. But when it comes down to it, every society ever Has, has had war. Yeah,
0: understands what war is. Yeah
1: yeah so i mean it's i see where they're coming from but it, a universal language is sort of
0: something everybody has in common a point of yeah. reference yeah now i think from the standpoint of christians and this is difficult because i know there are some sects of christianity that men even will uh you know object to fighting conscientious, Conscienti- objectors. Yeah, conscientious objectors completely yep. object to fighting in any way I don't know that that's necessarily scriptural, but at the same time, I, from a standpoint of who you're fighting, I think it kind of depends on, on, but there does come a point where as here in the States, especially we have this tendency to, to think that uh, when it comes to political infighting or even choosing who is our enemy outside in the world, that we tend to take a, a Christian sta- uh, point of view on that you know think that we put God on one side or the other whether he is on that side or not and i think we need to be very careful when we choose our enemies that we are choosing biblical ones and right the main biblical enemy is is not people because people we're supposed to love our enemy and jesus says this in in the sermon on the mount uh, in matthew Uh, five i believe he said that you're to love your enemies do good for those who hate you and despitefully use you and so Mm -hmm. there is this this concept of we don't have enemies who are people because god created us all to be part of the human race we all have that special Image of God in us, and we all have the potential for salvation in eternity. And so we don't look at people as being enemies. We look at people as lost, unsaved people who need Christ. And because of that, that should change our perspective on war because war is not against people. War might be against ideas. It might be against behavior, radical behavior. It might be against, I'm trying to think of some of the things that. That we have a right to stand against, but we don't stand against the people. is what I'm saying. Right.
1: We we stand against terrorism. We stand
0: against terrorism. We stand against
1: it's oppression. oppression. It's, yeah. It's it, the the war on terror is the most recent example that uh, that I can come up. Uh, particularly after nine eleven, mm-hmm. when uh, H W or not H W when uh, W Bush uh, George W Bush said uh, if you're not uh, if you're not standing with us you're standing against us mm-hmm. um but it's you know speaking from a from a a vet's perspective i I always fell back to to romans uh thirteen one through six which i won 't read in its entirety, but basically it it talks about uh the government being established by God right, so when you do what the government tells you to you're you are Honoring God's uh, placement of that government over you, but that doesn't mean that the government has carte blanche to tell you to do things that are uh, unethical or unmoral, and the military uh, doesn't expect you to obey unlawful orders either. Mm-hmm. So, in regard to what we're called to do, I I look at Romans thirteen still, but uh, but eight through ten. Do not owe anyone anything except to love one another, for one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And any other commandment are summed up by this commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Yeah. And I think that should be the guiding principle, regardless of if you're... Airman, Marine, soldier, sailor or civilian, that should be your guiding principle all while abiding by the civil authorities that God has placed over you.
0: There's an interesting um, I I subscribe to the Daily Wire and Ben Shapiro has this uh, Sunday special that he does every week in which he he usually has a conversation with somebody um, about maybe somebody who has a book out or something like that and the the one from this last sunday struck me it was a very very good good one and i highly recommend it i think you can listen to it on youtube or at least most of it on youtube you'll hit a paywall i think on the last question hmm. it was with arthur brooks who has a new book out called love your enemy and it was all about how to not necessarily return civility to communication between sides here in the United States, because we've become very separated and, and very tribal. Um, it was about how to love your enemy when, when you're having conversations, you see people as people, not as ideas that you're against. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was just, it it was really terrific to listen to because it, it reminded me that even when, when I disagree with somebody and we keep saying this over, over again in Facebook, because, we we keep getting this now, especially if you're on the right, you know, if you if you're in favor of guns then you're in favor of, you know, killing babies, you know, in schools or if you're against homosexuality and then you hate homosexuals and, you know, just there whatever position we take, it's always taken to the extreme and to be reminded that when when you're having these conversations that we always want to say that, you know, disagreement is not hate. But if you despise the person you're talking to, that is hate. So you have to find a way to hold your positions without hating the person who disagrees with you. And it was a good reminder to me. And I highly recommend this particular episode of the Sunday special. It's not even political. It's just all the whole conversation is about how do we get beyond, you know, reacting to people when when they're mean to us? How do we how do we show that? love that we have for people even when you're on at odds you know philosophically uh, it, it was just really good it was a good reminder and i highly recommend listening to it. i'm gonna
1: if we put a, if we can find it online we'll put it in the show notes yeah. the last topic that we had to discuss was about being brainwashed and i wanted to draw a connection between the unjust war the idea of the unjust war is presented in captain marvel and being brainwashed because there is a tremendous amount of uh a propaganda that's presented to the viewer during the movie uh, particularly any time that it's the scene is taking place in kree society mm-hmm. whether it's on the planet hala or among the members of this kree special forces team that that captain that uh, that Verz is a member of. And that propaganda is actually feeding into these the the first level of brainwashing that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. And this really goes into spoilers, but the Cree are constantly bombarded with facts about how the scrolls are it are invading and encroaching on Cree space and they are impersonating loved ones in order to uh further whatever the scroll agenda is. It never really says what the scroll agenda what the Cree present the scroll agenda as. And, and
0: the really weird thing is they're even taught every time they meet somebody to go through this like mantra of checking their memories to see whether they really are who they say they are because the scroll can only have like immediate current memories they can't have past memories
1: exactly so that's brainwashing happening on a global scale or a a civilization level scale for the kree Mm -hmm. and in the background we've uh you don't really find it out in the movie but it's suggested in the background that the entire effort is by the supreme intelligence.
0: Well, you know that's the best way to maintain maintain control is to unite unite people over a common enemy. So yeah, we do we've done that all the time, even here in the states. I mean, we, in fact, it's even mentioned in the in the movie because Fury says that you know he's giving his past and he says that most recently he's been riding a desk trying to figure out who the next enemy is. And mm-hmm. I thought that was a very interesting line because that's what we do is we pick an enemy and then we unite against that enemy. And that's what the Cree have done is they've – and it almost looks to me like they've even pulled together different races of people. The Cree is not necessarily a race because they're all different races. They don't necessarily well, look like they're the – it's
1: actually uh, – yeah, it's – the bluer you are, the more pure a Cree you're supposed to be. Uh-huh. Um, but – Ronyag? Uh-huh. Was that it? He wasn't uh, even he blue. He was still Cree, yeah. but he wasn't blue. Yeah. Uh, it's the only and he way was you the could commander. tell them apart was their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's interesting that you talk about the enemy. We had dinner with uh, some Russian, Russian missionaries last night. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, Jim and Natasha, Jim's an American, uh, Natasha was born in a secret Russian village in Siberia that that worked in some nuclear element right and she was talking about how she was raised she's our age Mm -hmm. uh, how she was raised and uh every media source every everything was how america is the great enemy Mm -hmm. and the conversation got on to well you know now putin and and Trump are our best buds and, and she said no 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 it, it is still America is the enemy in all Russian media mm-hmm. and they were telling me a story about how their efforts in Russia uh, resulted in the ministry leader getting detained at the border between Finland and Russia his Wife and kids were allowed to go through, but he was detained. And then there was this breaking news story on Russian television about an undercover report into their ministry. And their ministry was just showing English movies and having dinner with English-speaking people afterwards. And that was how they did their witness. But this, this investigation showed clips from their ministry, including a baseball game. And in the baseball game, it had one of the Russian gals up at bat and, run, and, you know, hits the ball and runs with the bat. And they took the clip of her running with the bat and made it look like she was running after one of the people who was trying to convince her to turn against the government. And that's the kind of brainwashing on a civilization scale that was happening with the movie too it's Mm -hmm. it's just so easy to take
0: things out of context yeah Yeah.
1: exactly take little images and put them out of context
0: yeah and we have to be careful even of that here in the states i mean we we our media is basically a propaganda machine and we have to be careful uh, not necessarily who we trust though that is part of it but to take everything in context and Mm -hmm. like my, my favorite thing to do is instead of watching the talking heads telling me what happens, I like to go watch it for myself. Like it has to do with hearings on, on, you know, I'll go to C-SPAN and watch the actual hearing. If it has to do with, you know, something that happens, you know, somewhere or some tragedy or whatever, I like to go on YouTube and find the actual footage. I, I think if we all spent enough time instead of going for the sensational headlines and making our decisions based on those, we actually spend a little bit of time and research it. We would save ourselves from a lot of poorly held uh, positions on social matters. I I think that just holds true across the board. You know, just wait wait a few minutes, do a little more research, don't react, wait. But when it comes to being brainwashed, I think we just – we have to use some discernment because sometimes we even brainwash ourselves. We allow ourselves by staying in our own echo chambers to not hear all of the facts on a certain matter. And so we, we are, lo- allow ourselves, we we volunteer to be brainwashed to hold a certain position. And I do believe that holding a, you know, allowing somebody to focus an entire civilization against an enemy, a particular enemy is definitely a form of societal brainwashing and and it is for control it is so that they can control the masses and we see it done in as you said the the Russian Russian context and we see it done in the Muslim context because the whole point of of a lot of these uh, Muslim sects i'm not saying Islam in general but a lot of these you know Muslim sects that are so mm-hmm. uh, busy doing terrorist uh, actions is that they focus you know these people on a and an enemy, you know, the the evil West, and they brainwash them to believing that if they do something, if they die in martyrdom and in destroying the great enemy, then you know that they yeah. they get a a better heaven, and or a better paradise. So we see it in a lot of ways, even here in the states. I mean, in our world today, I mean, this is this is something that we deal with on a regular basis.
1: And that's sort of the level of brainwashing that we see on the, the second level that we see in the movie, the level of the brainwashing of veers the the brainwashing that that you mention of uh in um the violent sex of islam mm-hmm. the more violent sex of Islam I should say i guess uh is the same brainwashing because they brought her in with. Uh, no memory of who she was I, I don't know i don't think it ever specified whether or not they wiped, they, it. They wiped think, it yeah i think
0: they may have intentionally wiped it yeah because she when they well you, you never know she, she was hit by other energy it could have short-circuited her brain i don't know but i i get the feeling because they're constantly trying to make sure that she does not press on those memories on those dreams Is kind of like some of the comments they make to her, you know, like control your impulses. Um, you struggle with your emotions. Humor is a distraction. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there. Yeah,
1: they're, Jan, Jan Rog is constantly asked. Uh, at least in the very beginning, he's asking questions, probing questions that yeah. seem to be uh, geared towards making sure she's not still on track.
0: Yeah, not turning back into the person that he um, stole from Earth. Yeah. I think he was even a little worried when he found out that she was on C-53 when she made the report. I think he was instantly worried um, because she says, I think I may have had a life here, you know. And he's like immediately, oh, you know, you're the enemy. Be careful, you know. Yeah. So I I really feel like he was concerned that this emotiveness of humanity was going to allow her to access her memories and turn her back into human and and so that's i think one of the reasons why he kept pressing her control your impulses you know be in control of your emotions don't let you know anger and humor and all that stuff distract you so yeah i think that was part of you know just almost like they were really trying to make sure that she did not become who she really was because we as we know they had that little control device that was kind of um the inhibitor inhibitor yeah trying to yeah. To, to keep her Um, within something they could control. And as she says later on, it was like fighting with one hand tied behind her back.
1: So I guess the question that I'd I'd really like to hear the opinion of our our listeners listeners Mm -hmm. is whether or not a a person is responsible for what they do in fighting an unjust war against an enemy that is actually just, Uh, as in the case of fighting against the scrolls as presented in this movie
0: or even fighting a brainwashed enemy. I mean, think about it. It's like if, if you're on the right side of an unjust war and the people who you are fighting against are brainwashed soldiers,
1: you know, it's, I actually didn't, I wouldn't have a problem with that Yeah. Um, because it really comes down to the goal of being a soldier is to kill the enemy before they kill you. Yeah. So yeah, that moment of
0: hesitation could get you killed.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it It's a reality of war. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Like Talos said, his his hands are just as filthy as, you know, because war is, this is war and your hands get filthy. Um, yeah. But I do think as Christians, we need to be careful. And, and I think this was the point I was trying to make earlier that we don't call things a just war because we don't put God Say God is in favor of this conflict, or
2: oh yeah, yeah,
0: we need to be very oh. careful about saying what you know, saying this is a righteous war against the heathen. You know, that's that's what I think got us into trouble with the Crusades. It's like the all the Christians getting together and and fighting for the Holy Land.
1: But God definitely wanted us to have control of Jerusalem.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <sighs> it, it it's always dangerous when we we put god on the level of a human goal it's like this is god's goal this is what god wants and we don't know what god's thinking is we don't know what god's plan is and when we tell him what his plan is i think most of the time we're wrong because we don't god is beyond our understanding and what he wants is often outside of our reach to even wrap our minds around but at the same time he gives us a purpose and the purpose he gave us as christians was not to fight wars on his behalf but to seek the salvation of every living person yeah in in the world Hmm. and what do you say after that right
1: (laughs) yeah from a theology standpoint no person is blameless right and the only our only hope is in christ alone Mm -hmm. so no matter if you're brainwashed or not you're still not blameless
0: what i thought was interesting was when we were kind of preliminarily trying to figure out what our outline was you were talking about the bible not saying anything about brainwashing brainwashing yeah (laughs) Yeah. and i brought up the fact that there's really only two types. there's there i mean we all are brainwashed to some extent we're brainwashed by our upbringing we're brainwashed by our society brainwashing is a part of to be honest it's a part of education it's a part of learning it's like what you choose to learn what people choose to teach you um what society you are brought up in we're all brainwashed to some extent and so i think that yeah it's i think it's it's maybe a negative connotation
1: between brainwashing and education though
0: well here's here's the point i'm trying to say is it's all what the connotation the spin that you put on it because there is bad brainwashing, and then there is um, what in, what you would consider indoctrination, in which you mm-hmm. you indoctrinate somebody in the beliefs and in the v- values and the uh, mores, the morals, you know, of of your culture or of your faith. Um, I believe that even Christianity, some to some extent, is an as a form of indoctrination because it even says Definitely. in scripture that you are to. St- to train up a child in the way he should go. Start a youth out on his way, and even when he grows old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, 6. This is, mm-hmm. this is how we raise our children. We indoctrinate them in the values that we hold as as individuals. Now, sometimes those kids will grow up and hold different values. Um, society might teach them a different value than your fam- their family teaches them, and that when they grow to a certain age, they have to choose which of those values they are going to believe in. And that's what caused risks in families sometimes because, you know, they choose to spurn the indoctrination of their youth and go the direction of a different way. And even somebody who's raised as an atheist who comes to Christ and later in life, they are spurning an indoctrination they were raised in. So it's mm-hmm. – we're we're all s- – reach God on some level, but when we raise up children, there is a, some form of indoctrination there. And that is yeah, –
1: it's of... a good thing, though. It's I mean, a good if thing if you do yeah. it well.
0: You know, brainwashing has a bad connotation because that's like the bad side of indoctrination.
1: <laughs> that's but... yeah, it, it's. I looked up the definition for brainwashing, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it it says a method for systematically changing attitudes or altering beliefs originating uh, originated in totalitarian countries, especially through use of torture, drugs, or psychological stress induced techniques. Mm-hmm. So um, it's. I guess on a more uh, granular level, brainwashing involves the changing of attitudes that have already been uh, taught or established. And that's what bears went through mm-hmm. uh, because she was someone else entirely and they changed her. Right. But, and, uh, but on a
0: society level, it was more indoctrination because most of these people were raised to believe that way. Exactly. Yeah. So it was, it, I mean, it could be, indoctrination can be negative and it can be positive i mean it just depends on the level upon which you allow free thinking i think that that's actually an aspect of christianity and that we do not bar people from exploring other ideas we because we know the truth and the truth shall set us free so there's no reason to be concerned about what you're what you're exploring if you're exploring Mm -hmm. things honestly uh, I think that a lot of people I can think of a couple off the top of my head came to Christ because they openly explored, you know, the, the very, you know, they actually tried to disprove Christianity and ended up proving it. And yep. uh, I think that that some aspect of that comes into. I mean, if if you never question what you believe, then do you really believe it? Because mm. it, it you have to at some point in your life go. Sit down and and make it your own, Um, especially if you're raised like I was in a Christian family. You have to at some point question that and go, am I am I saved based on, you know, what my parents taught me or am I saved because I have had a personal experience of Christ and he is part of my life and I feel the Holy Spirit guiding me and every child who's been raised in a Christian home must must go through that stage. Or they may not actually have a true personal relationship with Christ. They may be just riding the coattails of their parents. That is our show for today and our episode, I should say. And I will tell you this. uh, Are you just watching? We'll be facing a network change here coming in the future. That means that we need our listeners to step up because as we lose the support of our network and go independent, we will have more of the technical Backside of things to maintain. We no longer have the safety net of our network. We would dearly appreciate the support of our listeners. If you would go to Patreon.com/slash, are you just watching, and consider a monthly gift to keep us running. If you like what we do here, this is a critical time for us. We need to know you're out there and that you want to keep hearing these episodes because uh, we have some big decisions to make in the next month or two that are going to be critical in whether or not. Uh, we continue uh, to bring you these episodes. So we do want to give our uh, thanks to our current patrons, Amanda John, Craig Hardy, Richard French, and Stephen Brown II. And we hope that you will join that list uh, here in the future to help us know whether you want us to continue because this is a critical time. The Noodle Mix Network is shutting down as of this summer. And we will either be going independent or finding some other network to take us on or closing the podcast. Those are our options. Mm. So we would really dearly like to hear what your thoughts are on that.
1: Yes, please.
0: Yes. <laughs> you can give us your feedback. You can sh- comment on the show notes, which will be at are you just watching dot com slash 90. You can call us at nine zero three two three one two 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 one until that phone number no longer works. We may have to work on that as well.
1: Uh, I didn't even think of that one.
0: Yeah, you can always give us feedback at feedback at areyoujustwatching.com. Please come join our discussion group. It's on Facebook. Just look for Are You Just Watching? There's a group and there's a page. R- really easy to find. Uh, join the group. Uh, it is closed, but we will accept almost anybody at this point. And <laughs> <laughs> not that we're desperate, but that we don't have any uh, standards by which to reject anyone yet. So we are. we would dearly love for you to join us. And you can follow me on Twitter at Eve Franklin.
1: And you can follow me on Twitter at Rencheple, R-E-N-C-H-E-P-L-E.
0: And we certainly hope that you will subscribe and rate and review us in iTunes. There are now other forms, uh, pod, podcast forms as well that you can follow us on. And just let us know that you're out there and and let us know what you think. Uh, give us some feedback. We need We do have some big decisions to make soon. And... We do appreciate all of our listeners, even the ones that are silent. We don't know are there. Um, yep. We appreciate every single one of you, and we thank you so much for listening. I'm Eve Franklin. I'm Tim Martin. And don't just watch.